0: really feel like our inner work doing our inner work is the way that we change the world and that we have impact on -hmm. the outer world Um, and I so so deeply deeply believe and know in my heart that embodiment is the way to freedom Mm. and connection and joy and Uh, all, all of those things that we long for so now I'm moving into building a coaching business but also writing a book I feel like some of it is going to be exercised from me in the format of maybe public speaking or teaching or possibly performance of that that that's the way that I'm going to disseminate the experience with other you know to other people
1: yeah
0: um so that is in the works and I'm still constantly working on and this has a place in all of these things that I'm mentioning I'm still working on a solo performance piece (laughs) that I have been working on for years now that I've performed along the way in its different iterations, um, at different places, uh, that's called Bicycle Phase, um, that is in my body and heart and mind is going to end up being in an anthology of sorts with other, uh, women and folks who identify as women and that's a thread that's through all of this too that I and I kind of I don't know how all of these things are coming together but I tell you what at this time in my life when I'm rounding in the corner to 50 I'm coming in hot I'm 50 and it feels like all of these things are being braided together mm-hmm. in
2: this sort of glowing golden braid that's amazing We all have a story to tell. The longer our lives, the richer our stories. When I look at you, I see a woman of strength, integrity, character. A woman who has seen hardships, struggles, pain, and loss. A woman who has compassion, love, courage, and power. A woman who has succeeded, failed, and learned. A woman who will continue to persevere and thrive. When I look at you, I see a woman who is wise, not withered. Hello, and welcome to the Wise Not Withered podcast. This is season four, and we are on episode number seven. So today or this month, um, our guest is Natalie Griffith Robichaux. Had to think a little bit to remember how to pronounce her name. Um, So I met Natalie at this retreat that I have met a few people at. Um, We actually talk a bit more about... um, Yeah, you know, I, I think the people I've talked to... Um, from the retreat in our interviews we've actually touched on different parts of the program which is pretty cool now that I think about it Um, so a little bit more about Natalie she does a lot of creative work with embodiment so what exactly does that mean so she started off with dancing she does acting she does teaching mentoring coaching Um, all from a body-based perspective. She'll talk more about it, of course. Um, Yeah, I just, I really love this interview. As I was transcribing it, um, listening to it again, I was just feeling so inspired. I feel like this is one of those interviews that, I don't know, I, I just, I feel like there's so many little nuggets and so many really great pieces of advice that I feel like I'll just keep coming back to this again and again and listening. Um, Natalie is so energetic and I mean, to to, like kind of ironically, she's energetic. I mean, talking about like energy work and all that kind of stuff, but yeah, she's, she's so funny. We just, we were just cracking up in our interview. It It was so fun. Um, yeah, so she talks about some of her work that she does. She kind of takes me through her, her whole um, kind of like a life journey, um, especially in her adult life. Uh, she does talk about her childhood a little bit um, later in the interview. And then she talks about her own kids and um, experiences that have shaped her, I guess, um, as a mother and kind of bringing all of this stuff together which is pretty exciting. Um, yeah, so without further ado, here we go. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Um, so Natalie Griffith Robichaux. Cool. Yeah, Got it. Yay. All right. So what is your age? I am 49. 49. I'm 50 in
0: January.
2: Amazing. When's your birthday? January 18th. Okay, cool. That's... A little less than a month after mine. <laughs> ah. All right. Where are you are you a Capricorn or is that after the card? I am a Capricorn. Okay.
0: I'm very much a Capricorn.
2: Yeah, do you are you into astrology?
0: Totally. I have been my whole life. It just makes sense to me. hmm I'm um, a
2: Capricorn it, too. It
0: always has. Yeah.
2: yeah. So like what what about the Capricorn sign do you resonate with like what comes to mind when you think of I'm a Capricorn
0: (laughs) I'm uh fiercely loyal Hmm. um can be very um systems oriented like I kind of get into the organizational sort of and the ambition behind organization and making systems work and those sorts of things. I'm super passionate. I'm grounded. I'm, um, uh, I can be a little jealous at times, um, uh, stubborn. Um, <laughs> what else? I mean, those are the things that come off the top of my head. Yeah. I, I live, I have three including myself, three Capricorns in my house. My daughter's a Capricorn and my husband's a Capricorn. And then my son is a Virgo, so very different. He's living with three Capricorns in the, in the same building, so it gets interesting.
2: I'm just picturing all the rams butting heads. Is it, is it like
0: that? <laughs> sure, there's some of that, but um, I think we're, we're all very passionate in our own ways. Yeah
2: cool yeah um so yeah you mentioned so your mother um what other roles do you currently carry like what how do you refer to yourself and what do others refer to you as um
0: i'm an artist a performing artist a teacher a coach a guide um i've been shifting the sort of roles and names uh as I've gotten older mm-hmm. um I've uh, become more comfortable with uh taking up roles that I would have been um timid more timid about taking up before and you know when I was younger um I like to refer to myself as a witch in, in the way that um I uh, read this year a definition of a witch that an artist made, and I don't remember who said this. Um, Maybe we could find it, but it was in an article in the New York Times about this this artist, and um, they said that a witch is a woman
1: with unconstrained relationship to her power. Ooh.
0: And so I was like, I want to be a witch, so I'm going to start saying I'm a witch. I'm going to invite that in. So um, I guess which would be a role that I would like to embody Mm -hmm. and that I uh, try to embody? Um, uh, Definitely mother, uh, friend, partner, uh, sister, daughter. Those are all very important to me. Mm
2: -hmm. And you mentioned... um Roles that you are becoming more comfortable with now as you're getting older is is that like specifically the witch one or are there others the like can you talk more about and that? The also
0: thought? some friends of mine, some uh, a, a particular friend of mine who I consider a spiritual guide in my life
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, has been um, inviting me to entertain the idea of shaman or. Um, Shepherd, or um, I've been a mentor already and am a mentor to several young artists or young women, and mm-hmm. um, did, that, did that quite a bit and enjoyed that part of my academic uh, career, which is now over. I've moved out of academia. Um, so, I guess, which mentor, shaman, guide, shepherd?
2: Okay. And, yeah, you mentioned you're an artist, so, like, what all does that entail for you? Like, what kind of art?
0: It entails a lot, Juliana. Um, I enjoy making things. I called myself a maker for a long time Mm -hmm. because I really enjoy making things. I love sewing. Um, Years ago, I had a handmade handbag line when I lived in New York City called Brooklyn Cowgirl that I um did for several years um I like making patterns for things like sewing patterns Mm. I paint um I also uh dabbled in a little bit of sculpture and um I uh and I'm a performing artist I've, I've been an actor and a dancer uh basically my whole life that would be the where my education is is in acting and dancing and movement and performing and directing and intimacy choreography for the stage and all of those sorts of things
2: intimacy choreography yeah have you heard about this Mm -mm. um
0: you know it's been a few years now that that's come into play but it's essentially uh somebody there to help you choreograph intimate moments or sexual moments or moments of uh violence or um oh. that are of an intimate nature um for the stage uh so oh, wow. we bring in um all kinds of tools to um explain and set up consent culture in the Rehearsal room and on the stage um, with everybody involved in the production, and um, we choreograph like it's a dance—the the the actual movements of an intimate scene. So it's yeah. not just like, oh, uh, you know, roll around on the bed and kiss each other twice and let's see what happens, right? You know, yeah, you huh. choreograph it as if it's a it's a dance movement, and um, so that you can count on what's going to happen. Each all the people involved can count on what's going to happen and you could repeat it mm-hmm. um, uh, and then you uh, are somebody who kind of maintains uh, helps the the actors and the stage management and directors maintain that choreography throughout the run and things like that so um, and it can be uh, sometimes the artists are scared that it's going to limit things and make, you know, take the spontaneous in-the-moment creativity out of, you know, a moment that's uh, about the human condition and about, you know, connecting in an an intimate way, making uh, an imaginary circumstance real. Um, But I have found that the choreography and the consent culture guidelines and all of those things actually just gives some guardrails so that then you can play jazz when you're up there so that it, it really just opens things up uh,
2: uh, uh in a huge way interesting huh yeah i never heard about that yeah
0: that's um really is uh that study that i did and then that practice of choreographing several things for the stage and working with different theater groups and things like that really informs the coaching and therapeutic work that I do too it feels like all of these different elements come in together to um, now as I'm rounding the uh, corner to turning 50 where it's really, it feels like all of these different areas of study and experience are coming, um, joining together finally in a way that um, I haven't felt that before it's been um, I've always struggled with Doing too many things. Um, Maybe that's something that you can relate to. I know that you are multifaceted. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's that um, in the past has been um, has felt like a struggle, and has felt like a um, like I'm not doing anything completely. Like, like you know, how can I uh, really commit to something or this this story that I need to commit to one thing or you know take that one thing all the way or, you know, that sort of thing. But now it really feels like that those things have been, those seemingly different things have been really gift, a gift and many gifts that are now weaving together.
2: Wow. Amazing. Yeah. I really resonate with the, with, I mean, like you said, like so many different things yeah that's really cool um wow oh my gosh there's so many different directions we could go in um how about can you talk about your performing arts how that has shifted maybe like how did you first get into it i mean i'm, I'm sure maybe like you know you were always dancing as a kid um but like how did that evolve and you were a teacher and now you do coaching like Can you just talk from more about like the the dancing lens and how that's shifted and changed and evolved in your lifetime yes yes well dancing is where I started
0: and um the way that I feel it through is that it it was always through my body that I was always really drawn to and excited by and thrilled by expressing myself through my whole body mm-hmm. and um that was something that came really easily to me um and it felt really powerful and impactful it felt like a way that I could be impactful on an audience or mm-hmm. on, you know um using my expression through my body and I maybe wasn't the most um technically (laughs) disciplined or um uh you know and my technical abilities were not always really really high um just because of my sheer body shape you know I, I don't know what you know about ballet or any sort of those dance things that they're very they can be very rigid and very prescribed and you know a certain body type is a dancer and you know, uh, other and and there were certain things that my body just would do. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like there was a limit, yeah. um, even at a very young age, just because of anatomy. But I was always, always, always drawn to expressing myself. With through movement was such a therapeutic experience for me that I wanted to share that with other people and Mm. I Hmm. Um, but knew that I was still uh, interested in it so I I got a few books that were written at the time about it and started reading you know as much as I could and at that time I moved with my then boyfriend who then became my husband who I'm still uh, married to now we moved from New York to Los Angeles Um, he's an actor as well and an acting teacher and so um We moved to L.A., and at that time in my acting work, I realized that I was 33, and uh, the parts that I was going up for in theater were getting less and less and less, because there seemed to be an age gap in in the parts that were there. It was like 30 to... 60 it was like there wasn't a, there wasn't a lot there hmm. and i had reached a point where um, i remember being in my agent's office in new york city um, and we were looking at something called the breakdowns where they send out for auditions they send out like what the characters are and the actors that they're wanting so they'll say like <laughs> woman you know in her 20s, um, the character is flamboyant and whatever, whatever, whatever. And uh, they'll tell the agents, you know, what type of actors they're looking for for the parts. And he read a breakdown out to me, and it was for something like Cincinnati Playhouse, which was a regional theater. There's a great theater that would audition in New York, and that would be a great job to have. I don't remember if it was actually Cincinnati Playhouse, but it was it was one of those regionals. And it said, next to the part that I would be up for, it said, stars only. And that was during a time when reality TV was kind of coming up and um, uh, lots of reality stars were starting to do theater and bring in people to their audiences and theaters were looking mm. for people that could have some star power. That was not something I had. <laughs> I was 33, and I felt like I was coming into, like, a desert zone of parts. And so when I moved to Los Angeles, I left my agency, and I was like, I'm done. If acting is breaking up with me, I'm going to break up with it before it gets a chance to break up with me. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, no, "Not, not going to do that anymore. I'm going to do something else. So in L.A., I was really floundering and trying to find what I was gonna do with this now, you know, master's degree in acting and experience in theater. and I didn't know. And I found a a drama therapy institute in Los Angeles that I could take some classes. It Mm. wasn't a degree program, but I could could take some classes. So I started some classes there. My husband and I decided to start an acting company or an acting school in Los Angeles. He was the, the main teacher, and then I would kind of supplement some things sometimes. So I started teaching a little bit there. And then, um, and then it went on from there. We moved to Austin, Texas, um, after we had been in Los Angeles for about four years. And um, we opened an acting studio in Austin, Texas. And had that for several years. I had two kids um, during that
1: time um, who are my greatest spiritual teachers hmm. um, and
0: from there we decided to move and take up academic appointments at Penn State University. They were offering my husband a, a job there. He had been teaching in universities in Austin and um, And they offered him a job and they offered me a job as well. And so that's how I got into academia. And when I started at Penn State, I was really interested in the imagination and the imagination being the gateway to all progress and growth and particularly something that a teacher called movement imagination, which is... It's not a visualization exercise. The best way that I can describe it is that your energetic body is moving. um, And you use it for creative purposes. So I was super, super interested in studying that. That led me to Michael Chekhov's work, which is an actor training sort of theory and program that is about the energetic body. Hmm. And about expanding creative abilities through the body. And so um, for the purposes of teaching acting, but, and which is what I was training in it for. But then as the years went along and I got more um, attuned with Michael Chekhov's work and my energetic body and all of the, the, the sort of doors in my creative abilities started to blow open because of this work. I started noticing that my students were having positive therapeutic results from an acting class. Mm-hmm. Now you don't ever want to make an acting class a therapy session; that would be unethical. But um, but I was noticing that it was a byproduct of the work that was really powerful, and I was really interested in that. Hmm. Do you want me to keep going? Yes.
2: Yeah
0: very long-winded answers no i, I
2: love watched. this yeah yeah please keep going <laughs>
0: San Diego where I went to graduate school 20 mm-hmm. um, uh, some years later <laughs> I'm, uh, we're both offered jobs there to teach at their theater program there and um, so we moved from Pennsylvania uh, to there to, to work and teach <clears throat> and so I continue um, working in that area of interest and how do I explain this Um, it became, I became aware that the academic area, at least at UCSD anyway, was not supportive of it being about research and it started to feel really restrictive and, um, And this, I was noticing at the same time that a large majority of my students were experiencing trauma or had experienced trauma that they were bringing into the classroom, or that was coming into the classroom with them, mm-hmm. because we were working on the body and right. expressing yourself and all of those things. So it was it was it, it's impossible to
1: you know, block that out, right, right? to separate those things, Mm -hmm.
0: and uh, I wanted to be able to support my students in feeling brave Mm -hmm. and safe and those sorts of things, and I was really clamoring to figure out how to do that in a university situation and system and uh, it just got murkier and murkier and it felt it started to feel dangerous to me a little bit Mm. um, in the way of uh, I didn't want to overstep anything as an acting teacher I I wasn't a trained therapist I didn't want to overstep and yet so many of my students were coming to me asking me support them in that way so I I was like I became aware that I was interested in learning how to do that right how to use these processes for therapy you know for a therapeutic purpose
1: Mm -hmm. um
0: And at that time, this is important because it is really a large part of my journey. And at that time, I started having chronic migraines and Mm. chronic body pain and uh, uh, joint pain and uh, low energy and Mm. migraines that would take me out for days at a time and, you know, things like that. It was a very high-stress job, too, because of the way that the department was um, structured. Mm -hmm. So all of these things combined led me to seek out um, acupuncturist to help me with the chronic pain and whatever was going on with my adrenal system and everything else that was bringing that on. Mm -hmm. And this acupuncturist, introduced me to Reiki, which is an energetic healing modality, <clears throat> and so I decided to study Reiki so that I could heal myself, and then maybe heal my family or something like that. I wasn't going to practice it as a practitioner, but I, I didn't think I would, but um, added to it more and more. I did some training, and there's different levels of Reiki training, and I did the first level, and I was like, "Oh, well, I really this is I'm really this is really giving me a sort of window into a spiritual connection for me. It's deepening my spiritual connection to source energy and to the universe, and um, and it's working for me. It's I feel like it's I'm healing myself, um, and then I found uh, Leslie Hutter. And BWA mm-hmm. online Body Wisdom Academy. And um, that work really seemed to come together with the Michael Chekhov work yeah. and with the, the all of the things that I had been doing before and um, and even imagination work. So uh, I was really excited by that. And I went into that with the hope of healing myself, right? Um, just basically to stop the migraines because it was that—that mm. that was the the main thing that was so,
2: so uh, difficult. Yeah. And
0: uh, the deeper I got into that work, I was like, "Ooh, I think I'm really." I started using some of the work with you know, all the time, as I'm going along, I'm still working on a solo performance piece with a friend of mine that I'm Mm. collaborating with, so I'm bringing in some of the things that I'm learning into that work and into making theater, and then I'm still mentoring students and young artists, which was my favorite part of teaching, was the one-on-one with artists who were, you know, needing support and, guidance, and a, a listening ear, and, you know, some feedback every now and then, and that sort of thing. Um, so that's happening at the same time, and the deeper I got into Leslie Hutter's work, uh, the, the more I realized, oh, gosh, this is really, like, it was, it was kind of like Michael Chekhov was for me when I found it, where I was like, oh, my God, there's all this vocabulary, for all the stuff that I was kind of sort of starting to do already myself that I organically came to. And then there's all this vocabulary and Mm. these folks who know all these and experienced all these things and, you know, who can guide me. And this was really resonating and things are changing for me and my body and in my outer world. And, you know, so um, I then went into her coach training program because I was like, yeah okay yeah that seems like the next step for me um and so I completed that over a year's time and um or nine months time um and uh I just completed that in May.
2: oh wow okay and so I have uh
0: several individual clients that I uh am working with now mm-hmm. and um I'm hoping to grow that. But I'm also, um, there's been um, (laughs) a a book, Juliana, in my, like right back here in the back of my consciousness for several years that's like a workbook of practices that combine all of these things together um, that this is not, this is a working title. It's not a title that I would ever put out there. But what I'm <laughs> calling it for myself and all my files and things like that is um, remembering the creative body to save the world.
2: Ooh, <laughs> wow. It.
0: Because I really feel like our inner work, doing our inner work, is the way that we change the world and that yeah. we have impact on yeah. the outer world. Um, and I... So, so deeply, deeply believe and know in my heart that embodiment is the way to freedom mm. and connection and um, joy and uh, all all of those things that we long for. Mm. So, I um, so now I'm moving into building a coaching business but also writing a book I feel like some of it is going to be exercised from me in the format of maybe public speaking or teaching or possibly performance of that, that that's the way that I'm going to disseminate the experience with other, you know, two other people.
1: Yeah. Um, so that
0: is in the works. And I'm still constantly working on, and this has a place in all of these things that I'm mentioning, I'm still working on a solo performance piece that mm-hmm. I have been working on for years now that I've performed along the way in its different iterations um, at different places uh that's called Bicycle Phase um that is in my body and heart and mind is going to end up being in an anthology of sorts with other uh women and pe- folks who identify as women and um it's um it's that's a thread that's through all of this too that I and I kind of I don't know how all of these things are coming together but i tell you what at this time in my life when i'm rounding in the corner to 50 i'm coming in hot i'm 50 and it feels like all of these things are being braided together mm-hmm. in this sort of glowing
2: golden braid amazing yeah and is, is that bicycle phase or face
0: FACE, F-A-C-E. Okay. It is based on, this is fascinating, it is based on a syndrome, air quotes, disorder, air quotes, (laughs) um, that was during the time of late 1800s, during the time when hysteria and those sorts of things were medical disorders uh, for women. Uh It was also during the time when the bicycle came in and really liberated women and it brought in women um, wearing pants and they were able to be mobile and go places on their own because they <laughs> had a bike. Um, you know, uh, uh, Susan B. Anthony was like, I think the bicycle has been the, the the one thing that's been revolutionary for women's rights in the world and, you know, all of these things. So this is happening with the bicycle and this uh male doctor um oh my gosh he has such a fantastic name that I can't remember his name right now it's gonna come to me but it's so fantastic it's like that is not really his name but it is um, anyway
2: That's so powerful. I love that. Like, kind of reclaiming that that phrase.
0: Yeah. 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 So I don't know how all of those things fit together. (laughs) And I feel like I've just been talking at you for
2: a very long time. I I love it. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Fascinating. I, I feel like I need to just, like like, let, let that sit for a little bit. Dang. Yeah, thank you for sharing all of that. <laughs> let, let's see. There were a couple things that stuck out to me that I wanted to circle back to. Um, I feel like I'm still also... I mean, not, not also. Uh, you've had a lot of experience, which is why I want to ask more about it. Like, what exactly... Maybe maybe some examples of like energetic body work, like what what can that look like?
0: Well, the so this is how I've ordered it in my introduction to this workbook for the creative body and remembering creative body. That the imagination is the gateway to all progress or change or movement and movement imagination or energetic body movement or energetic body expression or whatever we decide to call it is the how-to for manifesting so what i mean by that what that can look like is if we did an exercise that we do in michael Chekhov that is around expanding and contracting If we did it with our hand, where we make a fist, and um, so when we make a fist, we are just contracting there. Like, that's in a contraction. It's closed, right? Mm -hmm. And then when we expand or open that completely, that's an expansion. And if we look at it and see our hand, and we've expanded it, like, to its limit, of a physical expansion right like that's as wide as I can get my fingers Mm -hmm. but I can imagine that my energetic hand that is in the same shape as my physical hand I can imagine that my energetic hand is continuing to expand okay so if you look at the movement if you start with a soft fist and you look at your hand doing this movement you have the impulse the feeling to expand, right, your hand. So that's what you're inviting in, is this impulse, which is energetic, by the way, an impulse, okay? So we're having the the impulse to open and expand our hand, and then we physically start to do it. So we use the physical body to really get into, like, the, the, the current of that expansion, and when the physical hand... sustain the expanding and just try that out what does that feel like? I know that I want to take up more space in my life so I'm going to do a practice of expanding like into this star shape. My legs are spread, my arms are open wide and I am really trying to get into that current of of expansion, right? And then I'm going to play with it and see if I can just kind of walk around like a normal person not a starfish and expand with my energetic body
2: wow that it's i'm so curious if if any students in your classes have been kind of mystified by that because i i feel like i it's it's hard to grasp like, conceptually? You have to do it. Yeah. You have to do it. Okay. You have to do it and
0: experience it. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult to talk about it.
2: Right. And okay. to
0: theorize about
2: it. Yeah. Because I'm, like,
0: it's, like
2: trying to wrap my brain around it, but it's it's more of a, a exactly. felt. experience. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's more of, of a bodily and energetic bodily hmm. experience.
2: Yeah. That you want to
0: practice.
2: That that's fascinating. Yeah, I I can really resonate. Like, just just a, l- a little aside. Like, I feel like as an adolescent, like my own adolescence, I was very like contracted, and it was like, don't look at me. Like nobody noticed me, and and people wouldn't. Like people didn't remember me, and and that's I wanted that, and like I do feel like I. I exude more now when people tend to remember me more. And like, I do notice people like turning their heads sometimes. It's like, oh, like, yeah, but I, I feel like I haven't had words for that. So that's, yeah, I'm I'm learning from this. So thank you. <laughs> that's fascinating. Yeah.
0: So we could practice that. You could practice that on your own, in your own home, right? You could just try it on mm-hmm. and see what it feels. What it- feels like to go make yourself a cup of coffee or a a cup of tea and just expand the entire time right and I could give you exercises that would you could do with your physical body to kind of rev the engine of that energetic body and energetic movement so that you could get the hang of it and then you practice sustaining it and see what that feels like and then you see what, and you notice what comes up for you when you do that. Mm.
2: Yeah. Like any right? resistance or like, or places any resistance, where resistance. Yeah.
0: Any fear, any, which is, which is trauma that's trapped in our body. Right. And then we work through that with, with embodied, um, somatic
1: mm-hmm.
0: therapies, right. Or the BWA work, which is, you know, we, then we use that sort of stuff. Um, Expanding and contracting is just one element. There are so many other um, roots in to this idea of um, catching the current, sustaining it, and allowing it to open you creatively. Hmm. Because that is really the intention and the purpose behind it. Um, behind all of these practices is just to open you creatively, to open your creative abilities.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That yeah. And because that I am
0: operating under the hypothesis that living our lives is a creative process. Mm. I want to be a part of that. You know that the workings of how we do that. Mm-hmm. how do we expand our creative abilities for our life for our living yeah that's a great deep interest to me
2: yeah wow so so interesting again like just so many different places we could go from here yeah <laughs> Yeah, and it's, I, I'm just picturing, like, it doesn't even have to do with the size of your physical body. It's like, like, I, I'm just picturing, like, very opposites. Like, my mom was a very, very teeny tiny person. She was only 4'10", but she just had this huge presence, like, just such a bubbly, like, exuberant, just, like. I feel like everybody just loved her so much. And and then I'm also imagining, like, former classmates that I had who were very, like, tall or, like, big people, but were just very, like, like, not necessarily doing this, but sometimes, and it would be like, oh, I didn't even see him there. And it's like, wow, he's, like, such a big person, but, like, very small, like, energy. So, yeah, just very interesting, just kind of looking back at, like... Different people's presences and how how they show up energetically. Yeah, that, that's just fascinating.
0: Yeah. And, too, Juliana, like it, it, it's also, you can work with it metaphorically or image wise, right? For therapeutic reasons. And like, um, how do I show up in my office or in my, Work relationship, or in my intimate relationship, or um, you know, with my fifty percent line, mm. am I taking up all of my space? Yeah. Or am I am I contracting energetically in some way, so other folks are just trampling over that fifty percent line? Yeah. Because I'm letting that happen. Because I'm not taking up all of my space.
1: Hmm.
0: So it really get it's, It is you asked if students were mystified, it is like a magic trick. <laughs> it is like, it feels like, oh my gosh, we're all magical. All of us are magical, sparkly unicorns that can do crazy things, because it really is impactful. I used to do this, um, this exercise in class, and it was taught to me by my voice teacher in graduate school. Ursula Meyer is her name. She's a, a voice wizard or genius
2: or
0: <laughs> witch or whatever you want to call it. Um, so imagine in a room all of the people in your class sitting with their backs to you and they're sort of spaced out around the room. And then one student stands on the other side of the room. They're not looking at uh, the, the whole class, has their back to the student, right? And this student says, Juliana, and they they point to Juliana and say, Juliana, raise your right arm. And so Juliana raises their right arm and then puts her right arm down. And then they put their arm down. And then they go to somebody else. "Uh, Joseph, raise your right arm, please, as they point to them. Right, And Joseph raises their right arm, puts it down, La la, la. You go on. You do it a couple of times. Where the student is pointing to them and saying their name. asking them, commanding them to do a a thing that's very simple. And then the the student who is doing this takes out the name. Hmm. They still point and they say, raise your right arm. Now all of these backs are to this person. So the group doesn't know who they're talking to, the student is talking to. However, Inevitably, the person that they're pointing to will raise their arm, or that group of people that's in that area knows that it's coming at them. Hmm. That is an energetic
2: exchange. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Huh cool yeah i definitely saw that one coming i was like ooh, and then they're not gonna say the name right (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's so cool and that is like a magic trick Mm -hmm.
0: and it is also like with what's the thing that spider-man that he says to spider-man the
2: spidey spidey senses or or oh with great um, power comes great responsibility (laughs) yes
0: right that we have we have great responsibility because we are so powerful
2: right yeah wow interesting huh (laughs) yeah i guess i was gonna say switching gears but it's probably going to circle back to all of this somehow. Um, You mentioned that your children are your greatest spiritual teachers. Can you talk more about that?
0: Yes. How do I explain that? I want to be a parent who loves and supports and listens and also raises... Folks who are citizens of the world who are compassionate and giving and present. Um, So, if that's my intention, (laughs) I have to (laughs) do work on myself because inevitably your kiddos are. Gosh, how do I explain this? I mean, my daughter triggers me in a way that nobody else does because she is very aware of where there is a emotional response or where there is a soft spot or, you know, it's like there, you know, we all are like, like, you know, a searching for a point of connection with folks and certainly with your parents I mean they're you know the first people that make it possible for you to exist and stay alive and all of those things right um so I have been repeatedly put in
2: ages again
0: um vivian is 11 and gus is 14
2: oh wow okay so definitely getting into that age of like what do i let them do and learn on their own how much do i need to protect them and yeah i mean i I don't understand from a first-hand experience as a parent yet but that does seem like a, a tricky age where they're Definitely becoming their own person, but they still need a bit of guidance, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, and just mothering does that. Hmm. Mothering does that to you where you are aware of that from it. I mean, I can only speak from my experience and I had both of
2: yeah, how,
0: <laughs> where, you're, where you're just cutting cutting ties and letting them go, like, over and over in just little ways, like, wow, however it is, you know, I mean, even when they're infants and you're breastfeeding or something, and then they decide to walk, and, you know, so you can't have a boob in your mouth and walk around, like, you know, there comes a time when you have to go, okay, we're done with that, that's over, that connection is, is cut okay. and done to stand up on your legs and walk around the room and eat solid food
2: never heard a phrase like that that's that's great though oh my god Yeah. Holy shit. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's crazy. What can you remember from your own experience as a child, like with your mother? Like, do you remember any of those like separation things? And like, can you just talk about your own relationship with your mom? Yes. Yes.
0: Um, and I would say this is my biggest know if it's this way for everybody but my greatest love and my greatest wound is with my mother Mm. and um, my mom is a beautiful person, a giving person and was not emotionally available and was going through some tough shit when I was born Mm. and so I don't know if I'm making it up but I have memories of being alone at an infant stage mm-hmm. so and i you know I may have heard countless other people say similar things you know have similar experiences mm-hmm. um, and that was a different time in the 1900s for parents and kids Um, uh, so I was born in the mid 70s so you know um, just not um, I didn't feel uh, heard or seen I didn't feel um, encouraged Um, I didn't feel connected and those are all things that I Hyper vigilant to a fault with my own kids because it's so important to me that they feel that. So then the pendulum can swing too far because I have that specific wound. Right. I can go way too far with my own kids, mm-hmm. right? So that's been that's been um, the greatest challenge and the greatest gift. Is because becoming a parent really gave me insight into my own childhood and, and the parenting that I received and the, the defects in that parenting, you know, and, um, and so hopefully I will improve upon that with my own kids, you know, I mean, that's the, the hope, and all, at the same time, we're all just freaking trying to figure this thing out. (laughs) I'm <laughs> like, She was a single mother for the first ten years of my life, so you know there was a lot of work and worry and mm-hmm. all of those sorts of things. So, um, play is, is what I'm after at this point. Mm-hmm. Seems really powerful.
2: Yeah. What's yeah. your What's your go to? playtime activity
0: (laughs) okay so right now most recently I don't remember where this how this came to me um it was out of some sort of um I have a therapist who's a fantastic therapist who's a Jungian therapist I'm a, a a big Jungian reader and um believer in Carl Jung's work and which is all related to image and imagination and metaphor and archetypes and all of those things. Um, we could talk about that for hours. Uh, but um, uh, I don't remember what she, what prompt she gave me or something or if I, if I had a dream about it or if it was like in a in a like meditation or something but I have this image of like a 1970s me in like bell bottoms and like a halter top or something and the sun was shining and there was like some like suggy otis or like some (laughs) something like that like something playing that's like joyful jive like walking down the street kind of like montage in the city kind of thing and so (laughs) I like to put on that music and embody that bell-bottom halter top walking and strutting in the sunshine kind of part of me and it immediately brings in play. Mm -hmm. If I'm just like jiving to some really good 1970s groove I mean that immediately brings in play. So dancing, moving, Um, dancing in a silly way, Hmm. Uh, dancing with my kids or trying to embarrass my kids in the grocery store. That's something I love doing.
2: Oh, I love that.
0: (laughs) Um, They're always like, Mom. Their thing lately is, Mom, you are talking so loudly. (laughs) I'm like, nobody's listening to me. Nobody cares. Um, So dancing, music, um, pretending. um, I love words.
2: Is is she holding? What what is she holding?
0: I think she's holding a glass of wine or (laughs) some cordial or something.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. It it sounds like play is more of a state of being than like a specific thing. Is that, am I hearing that correctly?
0: Yeah, but I'm into finding other specific things that bring that on, Mm -hmm.
2: you know? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't know what that is gonna be in the second half of my life, you
2: know? <laughs> yeah. That's great. Wow. Hmm. Let me see. We've we've covered most of my questions. <laughs> um okay, yeah. How how do you tend to recharge? Like so you work with people and you have your own kids like how do you maintain your 50 percent line and like what do you do to like for self-care and recharge
0: that's a big one and that is a constant negotiation Hmm. with time and uh how to do that and i'm you know what i feel like i am in the act of figuring that out weekly daily you know um lately it has been about slowing down for me Mm. and uh allowing allowing things I I love sleeping. <laughs> I love nice bedding and pillows. <laughs> I love um, I love reading, and I love watching television. I I love watching television. I watch a lot of television.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I went through a stage where I really loved watching
0: reruns of The West Wing. because it wasn't (laughs) there was nothing in there that was like highly traumatic or traumatizing to watch (laughs)
3: and
0: it was coupled with some political intrigue and interest with some humor and I was like oh yeah that's my jam man that's my jam let me watch that (laughs) before I go to bed for an hour yeah (laughs) nice (laughs) And then, I have to alone time recharge. I have to alone uh, time recharge. I have to very sound sensitive. Um, I'm sensorily sensitive. I'm a. I consider myself an HSP, a highly sensitive person. So I I have to turn things off. I have to do things like if we're in the car, I might be like, "Hey kids, we're not listening to any music right now for this ten minutes. We're just gonna drive." Um, things like that just little things along the way and Leslie Hutter's work has really helped me in that I've uh, throughout the day I just drop into my pelvis <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just stop and go oh let me
2: just drop in there for a moment and then okay I mean it, just for a moment doing that touching on presence like that is really helpful yeah yeah it it sounds like you're doing that in front of your kids, which seems really important too. Like kind of showing them not only that you need this, but like it's also an option. Like hopefully they'll adopt similar things. Like has that always oh, yeah. been like mom needs some alone time and it's just how it is. Like were they ever questioning or like resistant to that? Or has it just always been like um, that?
0: I feel like that's I usually the way that I would operate is I would just go 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 push 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 work do house stuff do family <laughs> stuff until I got to uh, like complete overwhelm mm. and I had a migraine
2: and I was like my right. body was like
0: nope we're gonna take you down for a couple of days yeah right. Like, that's how I used to do it. Mm. And so um, I don't have migraines anymore. I've gotten rid of those completely. And it's because of the subtle body work that I've done. But it's also because I go, no, I need to step away or I need to take a few minutes. So, no, it has not always been like that. And it is um, – it, it, it does feel like even now it can kind of be a retraining of – my kids and my partner too, because all three of them are um, very talky and very smart, and very bright, and um, want to talk about things and share things with you all the time. And so, I it it, it has been um, where I have to just sit down and say, "Hey, I really." my mind kind of turns into scrambled eggs if I keep going so I have to step away and that's mm. that's just the mom that you have and I'm sorry we can't listen to that song right now but <laughs> I gotta you know we gotta put in some easy jazz or some tricky or something like that <laughs> actually for this time and then you can play me that song another time or whatever it is yeah. so it's um it's I'm constantly working on it. I'm still working on it now. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. All right. Just a couple more questions. How do you define success?
0: I think success to me is... The first word that came to me was freedom. hmm um, uh maybe opportunity and possibility and freedom um options you know um that seems like great success to me is when you're in the place of feeling that of embodying those things yeah um And I think, you know, uh, success for me would, will be, or is being able to love and take care of the people that mean the most to me, mm-hmm. how I want to be able to do it, you know, mm-hmm. in a way with, that has integrity and tenderness and care in
2: it. Yeah. 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 I love that. <laughs> and you already kind of touched on this um my last question is what are you looking forward to you did mention that everything's kind of coming together you have your solo work you have your workbook is there anything that you hadn't mentioned or anything more you want to elaborate on with any of this i'm
0: looking forward to like what's next like what's coming down the pipe like i i mean i'm you know um looking forward to like what my kids are going to be into or what they're going to do or what they're you know what they're going to show up with and bring to to us and bring home or you know um bring to dinner when we meet them out somewhere when they're grown up or something you know (laughs) um I'm looking forward to that I'm looking forward to um I look forward to feeling more and more freedom in my body and um uh because I really want that um you know I've seen some older friends that really have that that really have a certain groundedness and who they are and then also just a freedom of expression that is um Huge, And I'm, I'm looking forward to deepening that for myself. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I, I feel like I learned so much.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for asking me to do this because this is, um, I don't ever do this. I don't ever talk about my journey or, you know, with anyone other than myself or my journal. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So inspiring. So many, so many little nuggets. Do you have? Um, I know you have a website. What is your website? My
0: website
2: is creative work with Okay, cool. Creative natalie And do you have yes. any other like social media or anything else you want to? Leave.
0: Not yet, desk. but it will be around <laughs> creative work with Natalie for sure.
2: Yeah. Cool, awesome. Well, I'll put a link to that. And yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the Wise Not Wither podcast. Full transcriptions of all the interviews can be found at whyisnotwithered.com. Feel free to send any inquiries to whyisnotwithered at gmail.com. And follow us on Instagram at whyisnotwithered. And you will hear me and another guest interview next month. Bye-bye.